and on scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. This final day in January brings you Scoop Podcast episode 278. Admittedly, I'm still in a daze and malaise. It's just, it's one of those weeks, but I get it. The show must go on. I have some leftover conversations from hanging out with the Twins all last weekend. Let's begin there. We'll get to Bobby Marks of ESPN later on. He's scheduled to join. We'll have him sort us through the Wolves' interest, trade interest, in Aaron Gordon of Orlando. Plus, I'll empty out my figurative notebook. But let's begin with one of a handful of Twins conversations I had last weekend. It is our longtime friend. He's been on the podcast a bunch. It is general manager Thad Levine. Thad, let me piggyback on on something you said on the radio the other day about Josh and, and you guys now having an edge. Like I think about, you know, like the saying, the big bad Yankees. You know, with Josh, I almost think now maybe it's the big bad Twins that you guys now have a certain swagger that maybe you lacked in the past. I think it's been a two-pronged approach. Uh, you know, I think two years ago, two off-seasons ago, we had a very exciting nucleus of players, but we're by and large cutting their teeth at the big league level. We added Marwin Gonzalez, we added Nelson Cruz to that group, and I think we started to get a little bit more of a clear veteran presence to complement those young core of players. This offseason, I think in adding Josh Donaldson, we've upped the ante a little bit. We've enhanced the edge. We've enhanced the intensity. But also, I think, you know, adding Sergio Romo back, guys like Tyler Clippard, Rich Hill, when you talk to him on the phone, he talks all about the urgency to win. And I think all of those guys are going to elevate the sense of purpose that this team will have. It's not let's win sometime in the horizon, like let's win tonight and make it purposeful. And I I think that's going to be a huge change for this franchise. You're welcoming expectations with this year, right? I mean, it's almost like you're talking like we are going to make the playoffs. Not if we make the playoffs, we are going to make it. Well, I think one thing that drove us last year is we didn't take anything for granted. And I think we're going to approach this season the same way. We don't feel we're entitled to the American League Central. We feel like we're going to have to battle day in and day out. I think that's what drove this team last year. Two-thirds of the way through the season, Cleveland came in here, knocked us off our pedestal, and actually tied us. Uh, we could have rolled over at that point, and I think we'd have had a very nice season in uh, Instead, we got off the mat and we came back swinging. And I think that's, I, I think the motivation on this team is they never take anything for granted. They're going out every night to try to win something and leave the pressure on, on the other teams. How do you balance looking at last year? I mean, I think I heard you say the other day that in your 20-something years in the game, you've never been part of a 100-win team. I mean, you think about the, the lengthy history of this franchise. This franchise doesn't win 100 games. So, like, that has to be recognized. But then the postseason, and it ends just snap of the fingers. And that's kind of the pros and cons of working in baseball is every day there's a new game. So whatever happened the previous night, you can wash down the drain, but you also don't get to celebrate too long. I did try to tell some of the younger guys in the in the front office last year, like, we got to catch our breath and enjoy what's going on because this is pretty special. And that was when we were middle of the season, 20 games over 500. Just felt like we were tracking towards something pretty unique. 101 games, it's spectacular. I mean, it'll go down in the record books for the franchise. It goes down in the record books in my personal record books. That being said, we were three and out. You know, none of those 101 wins were in the postseason. We had 11 games we're going to try to win in the postseason. Uh, the ticker still is at zero, and we're going to try to improve that this year. You signed a contract extension. How important was that? 
you know, I never really view uh, my own personal security too much. Uh, one of the things that Josh Burns was one of my mentors growing up in the game, he told me your job uh, performance is your job security, not anything that they can put in front of you. So I, I think we've always felt like we're extremely supported by ownership here, and that doesn't change based upon uh, the number of years it says next to my name in terms of the, the expiration of my contract. I, I think the Polat family and Dave St. Peter have been massively supportive of us, and we feel that each and every day. When you look at the presumed 25-man roster, is there a guy or two you can circle and say, okay, breakout year? Like, I see a breakout year coming for that guy. Like, for me, it would be Zach Littell. Is there a guy or two that jumps out to you? You know, it's a great question. You know, sitting here a year ago, I'm not sure any of us would have thought Mitch Garver was the answer to that question. I mean, he certainly had a lot of the attributes which would lend itself, but I, what a tremendous performance he had. I'm always wary to put a, a, a name to that question. I think we've got a wave of guys who are on the horizon who will be doing some special things for us. Certainly some unproven guys who will get opportunities up here. Uh, who that will be, talk to me about the All-Star break. Rocco said last night at the Diamond Awards, he feels like you guys have the best bullpen in the game. Do you agree with him? I think the second half of the last season suggests that, that the numbers support that, that we had one of the best uh, bullpens in the American League. It was a work in progress last year, uh, a lot of changes in faces and names about midseason, uh, but the second half of the, uh, the bullpen's performance was absolutely stellar, and we're adding back to that. We're adding a guy like Tyler Clippard, who ironically may end up being our lefty out of the bullpen, even though he's right-handed, but he's just so good against left-handed hitters. And, you know, what we saw to Tyler Duffy last year, Trevor May in the second half, T Taylor Rogers, tremendous job, as, as we've seen. And then some of the guys that got up and chance to pitch parts of the season were pretty special. What we saw out of Gratterall in the year, Littell. Like, these, we, we are very deep right now, uh, and I think we have high-end quality. So I don't see any reason why we shouldn't build off the momentum we had in the second half of last year. On Gratterall, March 26th, will we see him in the bullpen? So, you know, it's, it's, it's something we're still discussing. Uh, I think this is something maybe we saw a little bit more prevalent five, seven years ago, which was that starting pitchers cut their teeth in the big leagues, sometimes in bullpen roles. Uh, I think the things that we're weighing with him is he's got an electric arm. I think what we saw last year, and we even saw it in the playoffs, is that he can pitch on the big stage against some of the best hitters in the game. We have also seen some injuries, so he's had some uh, a lack of uh, innings depth in the minor leagues. So we're going to manage his innings. I think we feel unequivocally he's a winning piece of the major league level. How we deploy him is the goal will be to try to how many innings can we get out of him, and we'll try to do that as best we can. But you go after this as you size up the offense. I mean, last year just the historic numbers. I mean, is there almost a presumption that I mean, there's just there's no way that that collectively you can match that sort of production that that presumably there's going to be some sort of step backwards. I, I think there'll be there could be and there also could be some steps forward in other ways. I just think this offensive unit is so dynamic. We're not just winning one way. I know a lot of people make uh, to do about the 307 home runs as well. They should. But the reality is, like, as you look at our lineup now, we have patient hitters up and down the lineup. Josh Donaldson brings another guy with that element to his game. Uh, we've got some guys with speed. We've got some guys with bat control. So we're not relying on any one element of the offensive game. So I think that will stave off slumps. Uh, and we also, one thing that Rocco did, I think, expertly well last year was playing our 10th through 13th position players with enough frequency that they got in the flow, kept the other guys fresh, and also got those guys engaged. My guess is we were mo the most productive team in the American League, 10 through 13. We're going to continue to do that. It just gives so many guys a chance to contribute. Twins GM, Thad Levine. We continue here on Scoop Podcast episode 278, by the way, 26-man roster. That won't be the first time I make that mistake, referencing a 25-man roster. But Major League Baseball this year, starting this year, 
moving to a 26-man roster. By the way, Tyler Clippard's name came up with Thad Levine. The Twins tried to sign him a year ago. I know they are incredibly grateful that he chose them this year. Didn't choose them last year, chose to go to Cleveland, but he chose them this year. I know that a lot of people within the Twins organization are very excited about the addition of Tyler Clippard. And on Gratterall, certainly all steam points to him starting the year in the Twins bullpen. That Twins bullpen should be very good. All right, continuing with some of my conversations from last week, leftover from last week, hanging out with the Twins, here is a brief catch-up with former manager Paul Molitor. Molly, what's it like being back here? I mean, you know, you're running to a lot of people. You're just conversing with yeah. Max Kepler. You enjoy being back here for Twins Fest? Uh, yeah, you know, it's... Uh... I spent a lot of years at Twins Fest in a lot of different capacities, but uh, we all know that um, what the Twins Community Fund is able to do and help various organizations throughout the city, which is one of the primary goals, but it's always good to see the Twins and not only the current players and staff, but the fact that they really honor their, you know, their past and the history. Just catching up with some of these guys is fun for me, you know, uh, whether it's Cap, you know, talking to Cap uh, about his year last year, talking to Trevor Plouffe, Eddie Guadado, you know. A lot of familiar faces, which is fun for me. You know what, on Cap, other guys that you'll run into inevitably over the next couple hours, yeah. how much personal satisfaction do you take in all their accomplishments uh, from last year? I, I don't take much. I think that anybody who coaches or is in a position of influence hopes that there's a small piece of these guys that maybe they absorb something from you along the way, but mostly it's talent and dedication on their part. But uh, a lot of people in the organization in the areas of player development try to do what we can to help them climb the ladder. And these guys show a lot of gratitude for that, which makes you feel good about it. Any part of you that says, boy, I would have loved to have had a guy like Nelson Cruz and <laughs> just all the moves they made heading into last year. Well, I mean, you know, you have what you have in any given year. Um, fortunately, some of the additions that they made last offseason paid off in high dividends. You know, they all had good years, the offensive players that were brought in whether it was obviously Cruz being the MVP, but, you know, Scope and Crone and Gonzalez all contributed. And, and the players that are younger continue to find a way to um, up their game, too. I, I think it was aided by the fact that once everybody, you know, once you start going, there's no pressure on one particular person. And, and I'm just still in awe of the 307, 308, whatever the final number was. I, I don't even know how to explain that. But... Um, yeah, and you know they're in, they're in a good position to do it again this year too. So I was going to say, I mean, you had a guy like Josh Donaldson. Yeah. It was 307. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I'm a, adding Josh. I'm a big fan. Um, you know, he's. I like that he's as edgy as he is. Uh, there's no question. There's talent, and I love talking to him about the way he's worked at his defense and learning the strike zone and things that he's going to bring to the table. But I, I always felt that uh, whether I was coaching against him or managing against him, you know. You couldn't really take your eyes off that guy when he was involved in a play or in the, in the box. There was just something about it, and you could tell he hated to lose, and that's probably one of the best things you can say about him. And as good as this team is, you know, you add a piece like that, and everybody wanted pitching, and who knows what will happen throughout the course of the season. But I think they exponentially got better with that signing. What will keep you busy this year? Like, are you are you done, or if the phone rings, are you, are you still open-minded to, to working in the game? Um, yeah, you know, I... I really enjoyed having a little time. Um, I don't. I'm not ready to be done. Done, and um, you know we've had some minor conversations about things maybe uh, that possibly could uh, turn into something around here, and maybe in a smaller capacity, obviously. But you know, I I love being around the game. I still like teaching the game, and we'll see if anything fits.
Molitor did catch up with Derek Falvey last weekend. I guess I would not be shocked if Molly is involved with the Twins organization in some capacity this year, maybe helping out at some of the minor league stops. All right, now let's get to some of my conversations with some of the players, the Twins players that are left over that I haven't used yet here on the Scoop podcast from last weekend. Let's start with my interaction with Reliever, one of the best interviews, one of the best conversations in Twin City sports, Sergio Romo. How grateful are you to be back? I mean, you had some options. You had multiple offers. You chose to re-sign here. How grateful are you that you're back? Uh, not necessarily just grateful for the fact that I'm back. It's grateful for the fact that I'm wanted. Uh, I have feel visible here. Uh, I've been made feel that I have worth and that I can contribute to a cause that is much greater than I can ever be individually. So uh, I think that part is what was the most taking uh, from my, my time last year here. Uh, the way my teammates treated me, the way they allowed me to be myself. Uh, Rocco, Thad, Derek, I mean, they allowed me to just do me and they accepted it so willingly and so just open-minded uh, with such an open mind that you know, I guess in a sense it kind of takes to maybe get to understand the person kind of like myself. Uh, but uh, feeling wanted, feeling visible, that's, that's it's a really good feeling, and I get that here. Uh, and they, they, came, they stayed true to their words. You know, I was thankful for the other teams that have called. Uh, they called and that uh, put offers on the table. I called them myself and I thanked them myself. And uh, out of respect to them, because it's not easy to run a major league ball club or put a ball club together. So uh, I was thankful for the interest, uh, but extremely appreciative, extremely grateful, uh, beyond beyond feeling blessed to to have a place that I can honestly call home and people say like I've been walking around and this is your home like wow like I'm from California guys like and but this is a home for me and it's pretty cool uh just want to contribute just want to win uh and there's a real good shot here to do so so let's go I mean speaking of calling this home I mean was there any thought about trying to get a multi-year deal uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of why they, they threw in the option, uh, understanding uh, I'm not necessarily um, at the beginning stages of my career, so to speak. Uh, I understand, I, you know, this game's not going to allow me to play it uh, much longer. So uh, just seeing where I'm at personally is kind of why there's an option, you know. Uh, I'm excited about this season. I'm excited to win. Uh, I'm excited to come out and kick some butt. But... At the same time, I know I'm, I'm excited for what life has to come my way, you know. So uh, my kids are growing up. You never really know about, you know, what you're really missing in those regards. So uh, there's a lot of question marks uh, in regards to the future for me specifically. But uh, again, focused on this year, focused on the fact that uh, it's an opportunity to win. Uh, it's an opportunity to feel good, feel comfortable, feel like myself, to be myself. And again, to win that's that's kind of that's kind of the gist of things right so uh let's let's go win twins is the hashtag right so let's run with that how much unfinished business is there based on the way last year ended uh i would venture to say that there has to be some sense of unfinished business and it's not necessarily against any specific team in general no i'm just talking as an organization uh what we're trying to accomplish you know there's a lot of promising pieces that are up and coming so we're trying to really establish a winning atmosphere here and i'm thankful to be a part of that thankful to be asked to be a part and to to kind of contribute to something like that uh so again it's it's 
it's a little bit of unfinished business, but I, I think it's more of us understanding our potential. And it's not that we think we're better than anybody. We just know we're pretty dang good. So uh, we have high aspirations. I think I said this last year. And, you know, uh, we're really reaching for the sky. So uh, I think uh, it's about time us as players answer that call. So if we can do so and just play our parts, I think uh, I think things might be different. So here we go. Let you go after this. Rocco told us last night, and he's biased, but he said collectively, you guys have the best bullpen in baseball. You add Clippard, you've got Littell back and go up and down the list. You're here now for a full year. You know, Rogers, I mean, as you go up and down, all these guys, I mean, there's even excitement about Whistler coming in. Like, as you size up your bullpen, do you feel like, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the game? Um, I think we have every flavor of tea for whichever cup is presented to us. Um, I think we have the hard throwers. We have the you know, movement control type guys. I won't say finesse because I know I don't throw very hard, but uh, the control movement type guys. Uh, but we have the lefty that, you know, the power lefty. We have a righty and now announced that Brewstar is going to be stuck in the pen. And, you know, if he can solidify a spot in that, in that bullpen, imagine what, he, you know, that human bazooka could do himself. So uh, it's, it, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I can't, you know, talk about any other organizations. I do know that there's some other bullpens that are pretty darn stacked, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, but again, no, no pun on no one else. We we do know we're pretty good. We do know that the potential of the staff that they put together here in the bullpen it's it's rather unique, and it's actually honest. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, the new rule change is going to add to that excitement. Uh, and I think, you know, a guy getting a guy like Whistler in here, too, I mean, I've only seen him from afar, but, you know, he's got some pretty good stuff, too. So, yeah, it's it's really going to, you know, what what's Stashat going to do? What's Harper going to do? Like, what's, I mean, Romero, like, we have, there's Thorpe, there's so many pieces that really, really are are going to be good, to, uh, really fun to see in this uh, pen that uh, are not even necessarily established yet. So, uh, again, to say that we're the best, I would agree that we are one of the best. Sergio Romo, we transition here on the Scoop Podcast from the pitcher's mound to second base. Let's catch up now with a player whose English has improved significantly. It is Louis Arise. Luis, how excited are you entering your first full year in the major leagues? It's amazing. It's amazing because um, the Twins give him an opportunity, and I work hard for 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 me and then for making my debut last year. So now we starting like 2020 and it's a big, big good year for me and for my teammate. What goals do you have this year? Like, do you have a goal of maybe winning a batting title? Yes, uh, I want to win my batting title. But first, uh, I need to stay positivity, stay healthy and work hard, work hard. And then I want to I wanna win for championship, you know? So that's a big deal for 2020 for us. Did you always know that you could hit so well at this level? I mean, you had so much success so soon. Yeah, um, I come here early every time to the cages. Uh, I work with, with Rudy, and he helped me a lot. So I love, I, love hit ball, I love hit the ball. I love singles, doubles. I mean, I can hit the ball uh, to the homers every time, So, but... I got a lot of doubles, and I think we got a, a, a really good player here 
they got a lot of bad and not on me because I mean I'm younger, I mean I try to hit both the hard and I think we got a really good team. Where would you like to bat in the lineup? Would you like to bat leadoff? I love to lead off, but whatever the manager say, if they he put in my line off to lead off, uh, I try to do my my best there. That was Louis Arise. Let's finish at least in this first segment of the Scoop podcast with my conversation with Ari Andrianza, Twins utility guy. Being in town sort of just signify the excitement of of the 2020 season about to get rolling here. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty good to be here and and be with the fans, with the kids and. Uh, I have an amazing uh, Twins caravan two days ago, and I'm looking forward to have a great time here. Your 2020 contract got taken care of early in the offseason. Was it comforting to know that there wasn't going to be any sort of you know lengthy back and forth that they wanted you back and it was an easy contract to negotiate? Yeah, I mean it was it, it was an easy call, man. With the with the year that I have last year and uh, with the group of guys that we are here, um, I just want to go back and. Uh, Obviously, this is uh, going to be a big year for me. Uh, I'm going to be a free agency after after the season, so I'm pretty excited about it. How much unfinished business is there based on the way last year finished? Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, we 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 didn't get to the next step, like uh, 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 talking about the playoff. But I'm looking forward to to take the next step with those guys uh, this year. You know what it's like to play first base. Do you think Miguel Sano will adjust well to playing first base? Yes, man. You know, he's, he's an athlete. You know, it's obviously he 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 got to work a little bit more because it's a new position for him. But I think it's going to be all right. What was your reaction when you heard about Josh Donaldson coming? I mean, it was it was amazing. You know, he's he's, he's the guy that is going to bring some energy to the game, some passion for the game. I uh, obviously he likes to win and. Uh, I think he's going to take it to, to another level. Harry Andrianza on Sano. He was expected in Fort Myers to ramp up his work in transitioning from third base to first base. He was expected in Fort Myers sometime this weekend, certainly before February 1st, before the calendar flips, which is obviously tomorrow. Before we get to Bobby Marks and the NBA and Thursday's NBA trade deadline and the Wolves, heck, that debacle on Monday. I still can't believe they lost that game to the Sacramento Kings. Let me wrap with a couple Twins notes. Derek Falvey of the Twins was in the Dominican earlier this week, checked out the Twins Academy down there. They had the equivalent of a high school graduation down there. But his phone is still on. He's still talking to teams. I don't get the sense anything is imminent in terms of trading for a starter. They also have touched base on free agents Taiwan Walker, Chasin, some other guys, although no on Wade LeBlanc, who went to Baltimore earlier this week. They did check in on Shelby Miller. They were interested in Shelby Miller, who chose a deal with the Brewers earlier this week. But the Twins are open-minded to bringing in a number of arms on non-roster invite deals, which means, hey, we're not giving you a major league contract. You can come into spring training, attempt to earn a deal. We might add you in late March, but come in, compete We'll see where things are at. So, yeah, it's Walker, it's Chassin, it's some other guys. Although I was told no on Jason Vargas, no on Andrew Kashner, no on Trevor Cahill as of a few days ago. But the Twins are kicking the tires on a number of arms that are still on the market. All right, when we come back, we transition to the NBA. Bobby Marks of ESPN will join us. Stay with us. This is The Scoop. Welcome back, everyone. It is Score North on 1500. It is The Scoop Podcast. It is episode 278. Let's now bring into the conversation one of our good buddies. He spent a long time in the Nets front office. He has intimate knowledge of the NBA. He now does great work for ESPN. It is front office insider Bobby Marks. Bobby, the trade deadline is, what, six days away as we sit here on Friday, 
Now, I mean, there's been, my senses at least, like every trade deadline, there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of text messages exchanged between teams. But as you sit here six days out, is your sense that maybe we don't see a whole lot of action? Yeah, I mean, I think that's my sense. I think, um, you know, I was asked, you know, when we we did a five-on-five five about one big, bold prediction, and I said that, you know, my prediction would be that there will probably be maybe more players bought out than trades <laughs> when we get done with February 6th with the deadline. And, um, you know, a year ago, the Porzingis trade had already happened. AD was, had, um, you know, asked to be out, traded. Um, so we are a little bit uh, at a slow crawl. I think we've had five trades since uh, mid-July, and two are based on, you know, uh, Dwight Powell getting hurt in Dallas. You know, they go, they go trade for Willie Cauley-Stein and, you know, the Conley injury in Utah, and they trade for Jordan Clarkson. So I think you'll see things pick up. Um, I think teams are probably waiting for uh, the best offer to come in before they kind of pull the trigger on a deal. But the interesting thing here, Darren, is like everybody kind of knows each other's hand right now as far as the mm-hmm. cards they have. Like if you are, um, you know, if you're dealing with uh, the Clippers, you know, it's basically the, their um, their own first round pick this year, which is like 27 right now, and and Mo Harkless. If you're the Lakers, it's um, it's Kyle Kuzma and building up, you know, the contracts to add up to take back to take back money. Um, you know, I just did a piece on on um, on Brooklyn. So you you know, as I say, you got to be to be a buyer, you got to be a seller. So you know, it's Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and guys like that, and I think. If you're the Timberwolves, you know, certainly the team that you, you follow closely, mm-hmm. you know, Carl Anthony Towns is not going anywhere, right? <laughs> like, let's just get that out of the way right now. Um, but then we go back to, you know, Robert Covington. You know, he's the name that a lot of teams have circled just because his ability to kind of play multiple positions here, especially if you can go small. Um, you know, do you do something now, or are you does Gerson Roses have a comfort level that his value increases? Um you know, in in the summer around the draft here, when you know what team, what, what draft picks that certain teams have here, so um, that's kind of be the guy I, you know that we'll probably focus on. You know, you certainly have some of um, you know some minimum guys that certainly could be in a, in a deal down down the road, Jordan Pell or Noah Vonley, guys like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just it, it's like everybody kind of knows what they have to offer, and I think when we get closer to Thursday, February sixth, you know, we'll see probably more more deals because. That will be the best offer that teams can make. On Covington, Bobby, I mean, I guess what is what is a realistic return? Also, a tentacle to all this. I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard some teams have red flagged his knee, that he's had multiple surgeries on, I believe it's his right knee, that there are some concerns there, some medical red flags. Yeah, I mean, he's. I, I have not heard that, but, you know, he's been, you, know, you look at his medical history, and, yeah, there's some, there's some dings there. Um, you know, it's kind of like you're buying a, you know, a nice car, but there's going to be some, you know, issues with mileage. There's going to be issues with tires there as far as some durability issues. So that's, that's my thing where if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to wait and let's say that something happens to him in the, <clears throat> the last 30 games here, then probably what you can get now is probably a lot limited come the off season here. So, um, you know, he's on a great contract as, as we know. Um, so are you looking for, um, you know, are you looking for a first round pick out of him? I think you can get a first round pick, but I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the twenties. I think the, I think the hard part for is that, is that, you know, Minnesota and a lot of teams are, are really never players when you come to the free agent game. And it's similar to what they've been able to do in OKC is you, 
you build through the draft and you make true trades um, and you retain your own. I mean, that's kind of the formula on how you're go, going to go out and do it and to go out and say, you know, we'll move his contract for cap space. I think that might get you in a little bit of trouble there. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, not a little. I think it would get you in a lot of trouble, right? Like, Minnesota is never, I mean, heck, I love living here, Bobby, but it's never going to be a free agent destination. Yeah, it's, you know, as I said, cap space is kind of a little bit of fool's gold. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can use it, trades, signings, signing trades here, but to say that, you know, we've got $20 million in room or $25 million in room and we're going to go out and get these guys, what happens to you? you go out and you overpay players to come to come play for you. But you're right. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess the benefit would be that that you could be a third team in a trade if you have cap space or you know, I mean, there's any number of instances where yeah, you may not have the ability to sign an outright free agent, but you can benefit from having cap space. So maybe is it possible that Rosas looks at it from that standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it in a lot of different ways. I mean, if are you, do you have a comfort level that D'Angelo Russell can be pride free come this offseason? And does Covington make more value, more sense to use in a trade? Or is he, are you looking to, you know, use cap space or a, as a little bit of a buffer if, he, if he's moved by the, um, you know, by the deadline here? So, yeah, I mean, just a, a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, you know, the cap projections came out yesterday on Thursday, um, you know, not, not um, decreasing as we all thought. Just about down a million dollars to one fifteen. Minnesota doesn't have to worry about the luxury tax, um, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I mean, the summer is shaping up to be in, from the transaction game is going to be probably more trades than signings, just because it's it's a limited market of players. It's a limited market as far as teams that have room. You brought up the name Spencer Dinwiddie. Could you see any scenario where the Nets would have interest in Covington plus probably more? I mean. That would be, I mean, maybe it's a pipe dream, but like to me, I would love to see the Wolves acquire Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, and he's, you know, I think when you see him, you know, the more opportunity he gets, Spencer, you know, when Kyrie was out, you know, he played like an all-star. Kyrie comes back. He Before the Detroit game on Wednesday, I thought he struggled a little bit trying to reestablish that role coming off the bench. Um I think the interesting thing for Brooklyn, and, uh, and I wrote about it, is that, you know, although he signed this extension last December, you know, technically he'll be going on an expiring contract next year because he's got a player option for 21-22 that he will likely opt out. Mm. So he's a good player. I mean, he's not a backup. <clears throat> he's a starter. I think um, I think he can run a team. Um, I think he can, you know, he, his ability to kind of get go downhill um, is a huge, um, huge value here. I think from Brooklyn's standpoint, the, the decision would be like he's a great insurance policy for Kyrie Irving, right? Like he is like, with Kyrie's injury history, um, moving him and not having a, a backup, I think could be really a hindrance. But it is something that they will probably need to address come the off season as far as what moving forward with with Spencer. We're talking with ESPN's Bobby Marks. Bobby, what do you make of of the chatter about the Wolves having interest in Aaron Gordon of Orlando? He, a lot of teams have interest in Aaron Gordon. I mean, just based on uh, he's got a good contract. It's a, a contract that declines each year. Um, you know, you know, multiple years left on here. Kind of that untapped potential down there as far as how they've been able to use him. Um, a log jam. Um, you know, Jonathan Isaac's been hurt, but. You know, with Isaac and Bamba and Vucevic, Ken Birch, a lot of bigs in Orlando, I think it will cost you. I think it probably will cost you multiple ones, um, you know, for Aaron there. But 
kind of a, a little bit of a tease because some some games you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, a lot has been written. I think our, our own Zach Lowe's written about him as far as the, the ability to kind of be the Draymond Green type role. Um, and I think he has that. Um, I think he can do that. So, yeah, I, I think it's hard for Orlando. It's, you know, another team to kind of do something right now. Their goal is to try to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, unless they're going to get back equal value. Uh, and I don't know if equal value is, is draft picks in the future right now. When you say the goal is to make the playoffs, like how how big of a deal is that if you're Orlando? I mean, I get it. You get in, chip chair, chance. Like you could spring an upset, but in all likelihood, you're playing four or five games and then your season's over. I think it's a goal where I think every team's a little bit of a different goal. Like if it, what's the goal if you're San Antonio? Right, like a team that's been uh, hasn't missed the playoffs, I think since what '96, um, is kind of in that retooling phase. Kind of where are you as a team um, compared to some of these other teams that you know Orlando had uh, before last year had made the playoffs in I think eight or nine years. Same with Brooklyn um, to get in there, compete. Let, it's a great learning experience for your younger guys. Um, the lottery this year is not strong, so I don't think there is a um, desired goal to be the. 10th pick in a draft where you where you're going to be the 15th or 16th pick in a draft so i think there's no better experience than being in the playoffs i, I really don't but yeah you're right i mean you get you get to a point where if you are a team that continuously gets into the playoffs and loses in the first round that you have to kind of you know hit the hit the reboot button a little bit or the retool button that's a great point on the draft though i mean from the people you've talked to i mean it just it sounds like this might be one of the weakest drafts in memory yeah, I mean, just because it, we've always, you know, last year we had the Zion Buzz, we had John Morant, we had R.J. Barrett, we talked about guys like that up on, um, you know, in, in the top there. Um, the players that are, at least from the mock draft standpoint, where teams are looking at, you know, the, the two players in um, uh, Australia, R.J. Hampton, Lamel Ball, have been hurt. Um, Cole Anthony's been hurt. James Wiseman, who was at Memphis, left school early. Um, pro, you know, projected top pick. Um, so, the, yeah, it's... It, it, I think this is going to be the draft where I always say where the scouting department, you, you see the strong scouting departments, right? Like mm-hmm. who, who is able to find kind of that under the radar Donovan Mitchell at pick 12 or pick 11 here that, you know, nobody is really talking about. So, you know, still six months away, but yeah, the hype of the draft is not quite there right now. A little bit more on Gordon. I mean, would he be a good fit? Like who, who is a good fit next to Carl Anthony Towns? What sort of, whether it's a four man or a five man, because of Carl's flexibility, like who, who is a good fit next to him? Would Aaron be a good fit next to him? I think he'd be a perfect fit. I mean, you could put, um, you know, certainly you can shift Carl to the five. You know, Aaron, you know, can play the four or five. I think it depends on what lineups. I mean, he's athletic. Uh, I don't think they use him enough in pick and rolls in Orlando, and I think that's probably you know you've got Markel Fultz kind of you know in a in a learning process um, right now. So yeah, I mean I think I think he would be the perfect fit. You know the day and age of the fours and fives. You know the traditional fours and fives are probably not there quite yet. Um, you know I don't think a guy like Kevin Love would be a good fit. You know with with um, with with Carl there, I mean, I think Love can play five for you. I think they kind of duplicate each other a little bit here. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be, you know, when 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 you're looking what Gerson's going to be able to do is that I looked at this season kind of as an audit as far as his first year, evaluate, figure out what the roster is going can look like, how do the current players fit, and then use this off season to try to do your best to keep to build around Carl because. 
although you know they've you know Gerson's has said he's not he's untouchable, and I agree with him. Yeah, you, you the clock is started, right? I mean, oh, absolutely, it has started. Five-year max has started. Yes. So now you get to year two next year, and then year three, and then you get a. You, if you haven't shown progress, then you get AD all over in in Minnesota. He, he'll be your AD as far as I want to go somewhere else where I can win. Correct. And um, I, I do think there is a clock that's that's started when he signed that that max um, extension last year. I'm with you on this year being an audit that Rosas, his newly formed front office, deserves time. The issue, though, here, Bobby, is this fan base has been beaten down. Outside of the one pop-up year, you know, they play the playing game against Denver, make the playoffs. You know, they win one game against Houston, but, you know, it was a quick end of the season. Besides that, it's been lottery year after lottery year. So this fan base here has just been beaten down. You know, and like season ticket renewals went out this week. Like if if you're the Wolves front office or if you're the Wolves marketing staff or sales staff, like what sort of hope are you selling to the fan base? Well, I think the hope is that you better do a town hall meeting with prospective ticket buyers or people who are returning and, and I don't I'm not saying you, you need to give away state secrets here, but I think you need to lay out as far as how how this team is going to be built going forward and and people are going to say like hey look at memphis right now why can't we be what memphis is um mm-hmm. the team that yeah has made the playoffs for a long time had a couple lean years because those players got hurt i mean got older with with conley and jack and tony allen and then now they're you know they're at they're 24 and 24 and got a little bit of luck in the, in the draft moving up to two to get jaw but makes some true trades with Valanciunas. You know, you, you draft Jaron Jackson Jr., you get Brandon Clark at pick 21, you trim around the edges here, and I think I think when you look at that, that that's, that's what your hope is going to be, that you can build through the draft, you can build through trades, you can build through um, free agency. You know, Brooklyn was, you know, they were at ground zero. I mean, they, after the, you know, after the Boston trade, you know, two years later, they didn't have draft picks to do it, and you you have to rely on your scouting department to find these. I saw they call them second chance players, castaways that te- other teams do not want. That you can build, bring them in, and kind of groom on your own. Like, are there any names that that pop up that should be legitimate trade targets for for Rosas? You know, I mean, I guess maybe Aaron Gordon to some extent. Although I'm with you, I think it'll take a pretty good package to pry him out of Orlando. But any other any other names pop into your mind, Bobby? Well, I mean, we've talked about Kyle Kuzma, you know, I mean, but, you know, you have to take stuff back with him because he only makes $2 million. Does, are you comfortable? Does a Kuzma um, town fit together work? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Kyle is a guy that, um, and I think he's played a lot better, um, but on a, on a good team, he's probably your, you know, your, he's your third or fourth option here. Um, you know, other names out there, um, you know, it's it's a slow, as I say, it's kind of a, a slow crawl because a lot of the teams in that two to six range in the Eastern Conference are holding on to their guys right now. You know they're not willing to kind of um, you know knock the card off the top and the and the, the, the card deck falls uh, falls down. Yeah, like I'll give you a name that that I like, but I don't think Indiana would move him right now. It would be Aaron Holiday. That maybe he's buried a little bit, gets playing time, but it's not like he's you know one of their top three or even four pieces there. But I really like him. Like he's a guy that I would say, okay, I think he can be a starter. Give him more minutes, he could really produce for you. But yeah, I'm with you. Like there's no sense that Indiana wants to move him at this point. 
You're right. I mean, especially with, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, kind of in and out with, with some injuries here. Um, you get Old Depot finally back. Um, now it's a depth issue and, 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 um, and Holiday's on a great contract. You know, I mean, he's, it's those controllable contracts. Those mm-hmm. are the hard ones to get guys on those rookie scale contracts. You brought up D'Angelo Russell. I mean, are you still in the boat of when, not if, that Golden State moves him? Now, the when might be in the summer. It might be this time next year. It might be the summer of 2021. But that at some point, Golden State will move him? I am. I think I think it's – I don't see it um, before next Thursday at the, at the deadline. I would be – um, I would be really surprised, but he is a huge trade ship. Um, you get him, you have three years left on his contract. Um, I think if you're Golden State with Curry and Thompson coming back and you, and you still have Draymond, you'll have a top four pick. It's basically kind of balancing out that roster, maybe give you some depth, maybe give you a you know, starting three um, you know, for next year. Um, but I think that's kind of more of an offseason decision for them. Who are some names we should watch when it comes to to the buyout market. I mean, heck, I mean, who knows if the Wolves want to create some some room. I mean, do you give Shabazz Napier a chance to get the heck out of here or a Noah Vonley or Jordan Bell or, you know, I don't know. I mean, what happens with Iguodala, with Memphis? I mean, who are who are some of the, the buyout candidates you're looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think for Shabazz, I think, you know, especially for him being a free agent next year and him, you know, you know having playing time, um, that this is kind of an audition. So I don't know if, if a buyout for him, you know, from, from his perspective makes sense to go to a playoff team and be their third, you know, third point, point guard on a. You're right. And they need team. him, by the way. They don't and have, they, do, yeah. they don't really they, have a point guard, yeah, so they need him. And get one. But I think you look at, you kind of start looking at like the teams in the bottom of the East and the West. So you look at Atlanta, guys like Evan Turner, um, you know, would be a would be a guy a buyout guy in in Charlotte. Does Marvin Williams entertain a buyout? Mm. Um, if you're out in um, you know Golden State, doesn't really have many buyout guys. They've got a bunch of minimum guys that I think could be moved. Guys like Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson. There, um, the hard part is, is there's a lot of teams in the West that are kind of still think they have a chance to get into the playoffs. So if you're um, if you're Phoenix, you're probably not going to entertain a buyout for Tyler Johnson or um, Aaron Baines, guys, um, you know, guys like that. Um, in in the um, in the in the East, you know, if if Washington, you've got probably like Jan Mahinmi, Charlotte, Bismarck, Biombo. A lot of those guys who signed those big contracts in uh, 2016. What's going to happen to all those guys in New York? Right, they've got all those mm-hmm. non guaranteed contracts for next year. The Wayne Ellingtons, the um, Taj Gibson, the Reggie Bullock players, uh, players like that. That. I don't know if they're buyout guys, but they're they're trade assets. Is Denver still your team? You still on the on the Denver bandwagon? And I guess if if an all in type move is sitting there, if Denver has to give up multiple ones, but they can add a really nice piece before next Thursday, would it make some sense for Denver to to strike on that? Well, when it, before the season, I was probably in the front seat of that bat, bat, that bandwagon. I right now I'm probably got I'm hanging. I got my legs hanging off. Hanging off the back right now. <laughs> I mean, they scare the heck out of me. They really do. And I think their depth, and I like their depth, and I like their, you know, I love Jokic, and, um, you know, Jamal Murray's been injured. Uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s been really good, and I think that's kind of what we thought he would be if he could stay healthy here. I just don't see them getting past one of those L.A. teams. I just, I think they're a second-round team, and the hard part is that to make a Drew Holiday-type trade with 30 games in the left in the season and seeing if that works out. And, and that's, you know, kind of a trial and error there, knowing that you're 
at worst 55 wins and lose in the second round here. So um, they are a good team. Um, I'm concerned if they don't have a, another closer next to Jokic when we get into these tight games. That Portland series from last year scares me when the game gets close and, and it slows down. I'll hit you, Bobby, with two more talking points. Always appreciate your time. ESPN's Bobby Marks. Can you build up much angst over over some of these all star, you know, snubs? You know, whether it's you know Bradley Beal, his agent coming out with with a strong statement, whether it's Devin Booker, heck, there's even some people here they're delusional, but some people here that that think Carl Anthony Towns got screwed. Like, can you build up any angst over over some of these snubs? Well, I mean, as I said yesterday on on, on social media, if if you're going to come out and say you know this player should be uh, this player got snubbed. If it's Devin Booker or if it's um, Jalen Brown or you know um, Bradley Beal, then you got to you got to say who 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 should be taken out, right? I mean that's almost fair game because there's 12 guys that are selected in the East and there's 12 selected in in the West. And um, I think the hard part for guys like Bradley Beal is is that you have Trey Young and Kemba Walker were voted in, right? Mm-hmm. If either player were not voted in, and it was up to the coaches. I don't think both get in. I, I think one yep. gets in, yep. and then maybe that spot goes to, to Bradley Beal. But you, you look at the re- the reserves, you know, with Middleton and um, Ben Simmons, um, you know, Kyle Lowry. You know, who's who's coming out? You know, all teams are on you know team playoff teams. I think I think Booker's got a really strong case. I think his overall body of work is better than Russell Westbrook, and Westbrook's been tremendous over the month of January. I agree. Yep. But I look at Devin from mid-October to now. He's an all-star. Team that's won 20 games. Um, I, I get nervous that coaches just look at what guys have done in the last three or four weeks here when they do the, the voting. I get nervous that <clears throat> players vote for players um, to protect their own player from getting in. If you are, um, you know, if you if you have a player that you think can get in, and you you maybe select somebody that has no chance, and that kind of takes a vote away there. So, yep. um, but it's a hard process just because you have to you have to pick bigs, right? So when you're picking Domas Sabonis and Bam Adebayo and Rudy Gobert, that takes away some of maybe the guards that are you know in a in a stacked field. I'll leave you with this <laughs> on Kobe's passing. I mean how. How has his passing impacted you? And I'll be frank, Bobby. I mean, even five days later, and it's not like I had much of a connection to him outside of when Rob Palenka was was an agent, he represented Tyus Jones. You know, and Tyus is a local guy. So I ended up talking to Rob a bunch of different times about Tyus, and inevitably Kobe's name would come up. So you'd hear some stories. We have some connections to, you know, where he went to high school in Lower Marion since I was born in Philadelphia. I have a bunch of family out there, so some cousins that have some connections to him. You know, being in the same locker room as him after a game, but that's not really much of a connection. But that being said, like, I'm still in this, I don't know, daze, malaise this week. I don't know if it's just, you know, parent to parent. We're about the same age, but I don't know. I just, I still, even five days later, just seem a bit off with, with Kobe's passing. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we've all experienced, you know, death, you know, sometime part of our life, <clears throat> you know, with a family member, or a friend, or someone you worked with. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this one um, bothers me more than anyone that I can remember outside of, you know, an immediate family, just because, you know, when we got the news on on Sunday, um, when T, I guess TMZ had reported, and we're trying to confirm it, um, you just couldn't believe it because you thought, you know. Sometimes you think athletes are invincible, right? 
that they've got these human power, superhuman mm-hmm. power, and they're going to be on this earth longer than they're going to be on this earth forever <clears throat> until maybe they're 80 or 90, and, and then you just grow old. Um, but yeah, I mean, and now to see it on the ticker, and now you know, with his death and all these memorials that have been tremendous, it's just hard to believe. And I think probably why bothers me and it bothers you and a lot of us is that you know you mentioned you know the the family aspect having kids having them play youth sports i have a 10 and 13 year old that i'm heavily involved with their youth sports um to see that the the three girls who perished their their families the mom dad's pilot um it just hits home um that it can happen to anybody at any time here and and sometimes we think we kind of put that big shield over ourselves and um, and that's just not the case here. So, um, you know, I have a you know special connection with Kobe just because, you know, when I worked for the Nets, and I've told the story a bunch, you know, when I started with the Nets in 95, and then, you know, Kobe comes out and drafted in 96. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the first guys I ever went and saw Scout, you know, back in when he was in high school, when we could do that. and went down to Philly and, and watch him play, and, you know, had him in New Jersey a bunch for draft workouts, and, you know, I was a I guess glorified intern then and was his driver and worked practices and got to know him then, you know, before Kobe was even Kobe, um, before he took off and to go through that process here. So um, it just hits you home because we all grew up with him. You know, we, we grew up with him in those, in the late nineties, those Laker teams, we grew up with him now post Kobe, what he, he was able to do. And then for this to happen last Sunday, um, it really it, it, it hit home for um, I've never seen a death of an athlete um, you know hit home for as many people um, you know out there. I mean it's really it's brought together the basketball community. I mean it really has. Except I mean even except if you were in New York, Memphis the other night. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of got back, but you know what? You know what? I, you know what? What it really hit home, uh, Darren, is that the, the Kendrick Perkins tweet. Right, I love Kendrick, and you know he's part of the ESPN family, and he's you know he's outspoken and stuff. And him and KD go back and forth on their beef, and then this happens, and and, Ken, and Kendrick, who's you know certainly got that tough guy persona, you know comes out and basically you know apologizes. I saw that. Yeah. You know, like says like you know like basically enough's enough. Like we all need to be nicer to each other. We we can't take life for granted. Um, we need to show people respect. I mean, which is kind of lost in this day and age it here, is, yeah. um, because what happens is that you know, a person dies or loses their life, and then you don't have the opportunity to say thank you or I enjoyed working with you or um, thanks for being part of my life. Well put, Bobby. Thank you for being part of this podcast. If if I don't say that enough, thank you, thank you, thank you, and we'll certainly catch up again soon. ESPN's Bobby Marks. I appreciate it. Thanks. Bobby is always a plus. Let me empty out my figurative notebook in the final minute or two here of Scoop Podcast episode 278. Even with some teams red flagging Robert Covington's right knee, like the Sixers have pretty much the book on Covington, most of the book. They still have interest. The Rockets have interest. If the Wolves want to move Robert Covington in the next six days, there will be an opportunity to do so. But the word is the price remains incredibly high. Yes, the Wolves, credit to Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer. Maybe I should track down Kevin. Kevin's a good dude. Anyway, Kevin had the report last, I don't know, week? No, two days ago? I don't know, sometime in the last few days. But the Wolves checking in on Aaron Gordon. We just talked to Bobby about that. Yes, the Wolves, I can confirm that, have checked in 
on Aaron Gordon. One of many free agents the Lynx are showing interest in is solid forward Phoenix Mercury's own, well, not anymore, I guess she's a free agent, but originally, or not originally, but last year with the Phoenix Mercury, Dawana Bonner. The Twins continued dialogue with a few free agent pitchers, or at least agents for free agent pitchers, including Taiwan Walker. They're trying to find a guy or two to sign a non-roster invite contract, come into camp, compete. If they can earn a job, great. If not, they'll roll with. I mean, they just they want to create some competition among you know Thorpe and Smeltzer and Dobnak. They're looking to add, whether it's Taiwan Walker, he'd be at the top of their list. But some other guys, Salazar is another name to keep an eye on, maybe Cody Anderson. I'm told no on Kashner, no on Vargas. Those are two veteran guys that the Twins have not checked in on as of a day or two ago. Another name would be Chassin, who was pretty good in 2018, not so much 2019, but there are some guys out there. If you just go to MLB Trade Rumors, go to you know Free Agents Remaining, look at all those starters, there's a good chance a majority of those guys, again, no on Kashner, no on Vargas, but a lot of those guys the Twins have checked in on. They did check in on Shelby Miller, who signed a non-roster invite deal with the Milwaukee Brewers earlier this week. Although Wade LeBlanc, who did the same with the Baltimore Orioles, the Twins did not check in on him. I have the Timberwolves TV ratings from the month of January locally. Let's just say pretty much rock bottom. This is not good for any of us that are passionate about the NBA, passionate about the Wolves. I mean, a recent game, how about this? The Wolves, in terms of tickets scanned, it was less than 5,000. That was a recent home game. The TV ratings are rock bottom. I mean, barely a one. Some games a little above a one. A one is about 17,300 households here in the Twin Cities. But there are games that are below a one. And looking at the key demographic of adults 25 to 54, they're pretty much, from the month of January, all below a one. The one that is not was the Wolves-Pacers game. I guess that would have been a couple Fridays ago. A couple Fridays ago. That is the highest-rated game locally for the Wolves in the month of January. Actually, the game Monday, the debacle, the the blown game against Sacramento, that was actually number two. But a lot of these TV ratings are not good. It's just it's not good business for a lot of us. We want the Wolves to do well because then there's more interest. We can talk about the Wolves more and more. Heck, I mean, talking to Bobby Marks there for a while, I might have been force-feeding that because I just don't sense there's a whole lot of interest in the Wolves right now. All right. Oh, one other note. Gophers Football Pro Day. I don't think this is out there. Gophers Football Pro Day scheduled for March 25th. We are done. This has been Scoop Podcast Episode 200.